You don't need special gadgets to be a hero. With unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere, the Capital One Quicksilver card makes you the hero of every purchase. Whether it's headphones, a lounge chair, or even a well-deserved massage, whatever the Quicksilver purchase, you're the hero. No fighting bad guys, getting in epic car chases, or parachuting out of buildings required. Simple, isn't it? The Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. At Ferguson, your project is the company's priority. Whether you're building a new home or working on a remodel, the Ferguson team will be there to make sure everything runs smoothly from start to finish. Ferguson Associates are experts in bath, kitchen, and lighting products, and so much more. They can help with product selection, facilitating orders, and delivery coordination. They work with home builders and remodelers, designers, and homeowners to help make every project a success. Get started at ferguson.com slash build. Hey, everybody. This is Chuck. And uh, surprise, you get a bonus episode this week and every Saturday moving forward with our SYSK Selects episode. So what we decided to do was um, to kind of, you know, not everyone knows we have all these back episodes laying in wait to the tune of 900 plus So each week, um, Josh will pick one, I'll pick one. We're going to curate these. It might be newsy. It might just be one of our favorites. And we're going to publish them on Saturday. So if you, if you haven't heard this one before, enjoy it. If you have, maybe listen again. Uh, and this week I picked out filibusters, um, especially because of kind of what's going on in this country right now with the looming nomination of, uh, Mr. Gorsuch to the Supreme Court and the threatened Democratic filibuster. So if you don't know what filibusters are all about, uh, give this episode a listen and everything will be a lot more clear. And we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and with me as always is Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry, and uh, that's Stuff You Should Know. I filibuster that. You can't. I, sh- I could talk for the next 24 hours straight and not allow you to speak, and that would be filibustering this podcast. Um, no, you'd actually be creating a podcast still. I, I guess so. We don't have any parliamentary rules, so, I mean, technically you could do that, and it's a podcast still. Upon reading this, it seems like the U.S. government doesn't either, because one strategy is to just pick up your ball and go home. Yeah, I Which guess is so. sort of what filibustering is, except you don't go home. No, you stand there until everybody else goes home. Yeah. In the most classic example. Yeah. Which is what we're all about here at Stuff You Should Know, the classics, <laughs> man. That's right. Um, Chuck, you know this year, 2013, which is drawing to a close, mm-hmm. um, there were two very high-profile filibusters. One was by Wendy Davis, a member of the Texas State Senate. Yeah. Who uh, filibustered against a proposed bill that would, or a package of bills that would limit um, access to abortions? Mm-hmm. Did she actually do it like a solo filibuster? Yeah, the classic move. She had like on some snazzy pink magenta Mizuno running shoes, nice. a back brace. Oh, really? And I believe a catheter. Shut up. No, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm almost positive she right. had a catheter. And, well, we'll get and, to that. And spoke for 11 hours straight. Yeah. Um, there was also another one uh, by in September by uh, U.S. Senator from Texas, mm-hmm. Ted Cruz, oh, one yeah. of the uh, founding people of the Tea Party, or at least one of the most prominent members of the Tea Party, who was um, filibustering against a uh, continuing resolution to keep the government open. Okay. 
or to reopen the government. So he went solo as well. He did. One was real. One was fake. What do you mean? Cruises was fake. It wasn't a real filibuster. It was basically stage dressing that looked like a filibuster, Mm -hmm. but at its core, as we'll soon find out, it wasn't a filibuster because it was the result of a deal with Harry Reid that Ted Cruz would be allowed to speak for 21 hours, (laughs) and then at the end of his 21 hours, this vote would go on. The whole purpose of a filibuster is to prevent a vote from taking place, not... Make a deal to speak for a certain amount of time, uh, and then let the vote go through. And then Cruz even further wowed people by voting in favor of the motion after he supposedly filibustered it. Man. So we have one very, very real one, Wendy Davis. She wasn't allowed to take a sip of water. She had to stay on, on topic, spoke nonstop for 11 hours, catheter, the whole oh, thing. Oh, she had to stay on topic? Yeah. Is that a new thing? Well, it isn't, it's a Texas state. Rule. Oh, gotcha. And then Cruz just basically spoke for 21 hours, handed the lectern over to, I think, Rand Paul for a little while. Uh-huh. It was just kind of meandering or whatever. It looked like a filibuster, but as we'll find out, it wasn't really, even though Davis's was very much a filibuster. Gotcha. So uh, let's talk filibusters, man. Yeah, it's one of these, well, I was about to say uniquely American, but it does happen and has happened in other countries. It actually dates back to ancient Rome. Yeah, but it is uniquely American. In the way that we do it. <laughs> in, uh, in how in it's abused. Sure. So um, its history does go back to ancient Rome. Cato the Younger was a master of the filibuster. And this is back at a time when you actually could make pretty good use of the filibuster because the Senate rule was that all business had to be concluded by dusk. So yeah. if it wasn't, sorry, it's off the table. So all you had to do is stand there technically for one day yeah. and you could filibuster anything. It's pretty silly when you think about it. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, assume that it's like part of like the Constitution, maybe. Nope. Or that the founding father said, hey, we need this rule to filibuster. Nope. Uh, that perhaps it was um, brought up by Superman in the guise of Clark Kent. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I knew we'd get there someday. All right. So filibuster is an actual was it's any sort of action that you can take to um, block or delay action in the Senate. House can't do it. Senate can. Right, and it it's it exists because there are rules. Yeah, it's a really it's an odd thing with an odd accidental history. Um, I guess first we should say that it, the name they believe comes from. Uh, the Dutch word that means pirate, mm-hmm. and as pirates take things hostage, filibustering can also be looked at as taking things hostage. Very much so. I mean, like a vote or a bill that wants to be introduced, confirmation or a nomination. Yeah, for a confirmation yeah. for a judge, let's say. Yeah, you're holding it hostage. Um, a lot of people think a filibuster is a good thing because it it allows the minority, meaning uh, the minority in the Senate, to ha- still have a voice. Right. And not just have get run roughshod over by the majority. And the Senate has very has a long storied history of giving a tremendous amount of say and rights to the minority, whichever yeah. whichever party that might be at any given time. Um and, and so as a result the filibuster was allowed to exist for a while, ever since it was accidentally created. But initially the Senate and the House had a rule um, that prevented filibustering. Yeah, the previous question motion, uh, which required a majority vote 
And it was not used, though, apparently. No. Ever. So in 1806, they got rid of it. The Senate uh, did. Yeah, the Senate did. And um, kind of didn't realize what they had created was a bit of a loophole in that now, if you wanted, you could get up and speak endlessly about something. And that's basically what it is. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Jimmy Stewart did it. And everyone loved it. But these days, it's kind of a different story. Well, yeah, it's definitely lost a lot of its um, substance, too, you know? Yeah, well, they didn't used to use it very much. No, and, and that previous question motion, um, that's what it was called, right? Yeah. So that was basically like you could say, um, so is everybody ready for this guy to stop talking about this bill? Or can we be done with debate? And everybody says yay or nay. And then if it's yay, Rump. then you just go on and, and vote. Like it ends debate. Yeah. But like you said, nobody was using it. And so they just kind of threw it out. Because debate is good. Yeah. I guess it was Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr was saying we need to simplify these rules. So the Senate did it. The House didn't, which is why you can't have a filibuster in the House because they never got rid of the previous question motion. Yeah. But like you said, Jimmy Stewart did it. Everybody was just in awe of the idea of one all you need is one good senator and, yeah, and the rest of the Senate can yeah. be corrupt. Yeah. But as long as you have Jimmy Stewart, one Jimmy Stewart in there. And a catheter. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a little bit of stamina. Yeah. Um, you, the, the, the truth, justice and the American way can prevail. Um, and as you were saying, as a result, a lot of people think having a filibuster is a good thing. Sure. Because it prevents tyranny by the majority. Yeah. And in essence, it is a good thing in a democracy. Um, and like I said, it wasn't used that much in the 19th century. Uh, the first one was not until 1837, and less than two dozen took place before the year 1900. Uh, in 1917, things changed uh, with President Wilson. Uh, got a little ticked off because there was a filibuster blocking a bill arming merchant ships, and mm-hmm. the Great War was being fought, and he said, we don't have time for this. Right. So I'm going to push to pass something called a cloture rule, which means that we can cease this filibustering with a two-thirds vote. Right. And he didn't really have any say. I mean, the president is not the – he's not involved in the Senate. That's the vice president. Well, he – But he was, he was using all of his influence in yeah. public opinion yeah. against a, quote, a little group of willful men. Yeah, I mean, he hated it, and he was a big champion mm-hmm. of trying to limit it as much as possible. So the Senate passed this cloture rule that said you can you – can, Bring something to a vote with two thirds majority. Yes, which is sixty-seven senators. That's right. That's still, you know, that's a lot of people. That means that the will of the Senate, not just the majority, uh, not just the majority party, I should say. Yeah. But the the actual Senate is like enough of this. Like, let's just we agree that we need to stop debating this. Exactly. Uh, it has since been abused um, or used, depending on your viewpoint. Uh, in the during the Civil rights movement, racist mm-hmm. senators used it to block all sorts of things from anti-lynching laws to civil rights uh, bills. And um, successfully, Strom Thurmond in 1957 broke the record for speaking for 24 hours and 18 minutes. That's still the record. Straight. Yeah. That's because no one else wants to do that or has the stamina or the adult diapers. Right. We can't leave. Or, no. We keep talking about that. We should explain. You're not allowed to leave even to pee. You have to keep talking. Well, that was the case until the 70s. Apparently, filibustering, thanks to the um, uh, segregationists, yeah, 
uh, who are using it to prevent lynching laws, to prevent the um, uh, the civil rights bill. Uh, pretty much anything that had to do with civil rights, they were using the filibuster for. Yeah. So by the time the 70s rolled around, the Senate passed a um, a different rule that meant, well, it said, if you want to bring a vote to cloture, to end debate, yeah. no longer do you need 67 senators. Right. You only need 60, which is a little easier to get. But we're going to give the minority, still, see the Senate loves the minority, mm-hmm. um, the ability to threaten a filibuster if they have 41 senators on board with that filibuster and yeah. you don't even have to stand up there anymore. Yeah, but you still can. If you're a lone senator, like it, it didn't eliminate the lone filibuster speaker. No, you, because if you have 40 or 39 or 38 or it's just you, yeah. you're just that one person, then you have to stand up there still. Yeah. But the idea that um, if you had 41 senators who would if called upon, would vote um, against that cloture. Yeah, you don't have to talk. Right, because by definition, you have that filibuster power. And the whole idea of adding this rule was not just to to kind of give a little back to the minority when you were taking it away by dropping it from a two-thirds to a three-fifths majority for cloture. Right. Um, They were also trying to make it so that the Senate business was more streamlined and efficient. But it had the unintended consequence of people saying like, oh, well, I threatened filibuster. I'm going to sit over here and I don't have to talk. I'm going to threaten filibuster. So that means take this bill out of consideration and let's move on with the other business. That's right. And that's when bills just started getting blocked left and right. Uh, Yeah. Um, And back to Thurman, supposedly – with the whole bathroom thing, mm-hmm. he uh, took a steam bath to dehydrate himself so he wouldn't have to pee. That's the story. I can imagine that would take for maybe 10, 12 hours, but then 24 hours, yeah. he he peed himself. You think? I'll bet it's just one of those untold stories of the Senate. Strom Thurmond peed all over himself. Okay, so that's the simple filibuster, uh, the one you don't see as much anymore because... The one guy standing up. Yeah, now now it's more about, hey, we, we can just threaten it and no one has to waste their time uh, speaking. And debating, but Chuck, it's also it, it does <clears throat> it does keep you from wasting time, but because it's easy to do, and because all you need are forty one senators. Yeah, um, it, it it's created a a backlog. It's a really easy way for the minority to hold anything they want hostage. Yeah, which is one reason why while a lot of people say. It's a good thing to have a filibuster because it protects the the minority from majority tyranny. Yeah. Um, but having a filibuster means that really just a, a fairly small group of senators, less than half, mm-hmm. can hold anything they want up. And just the, that one simple filibuster, the presence of it, means that you can have any crazy nut who's a senator, yeah. hold anything up that he wants as long as he's willing to stand there and talk. Yeah. So there's some people who say we need to get rid of the filibuster. There's others who say, no, the filibuster has to exist. It's this accidental thing that the framers didn't put in there, but it was a happy accident that it came about and right. it proved its worth as a as a part of democracy. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned earlier how who was who was the lady that uh, Davis? Yeah, Wendy Davis. Who you said she had to stay on point because in Texas they say you have to stay on point. But federally, there are no laws specifically or rules that say you have to do so. You just have to talk, which is fairly ridiculous. Uh, and in 1935, Huey P. Long did such things as read Shakespeare and talk about uh, cooking fried oysters, mm-hmm. recite recipes. 
And Which I'll bet Huey Long had a pretty good fried oyster <laughs> oh, yeah. recipe. Uh, it's just crazy. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know what, that you can say whatever you want. Yeah, that literally that is what our government is doing. They're up there talking about oyster recipes. Yeah, what? on the floor of the Senate to block a, a bill being introduced, right. perhaps. I've always equated filibusters with a senator standing up there reading from a phone book. I think that yeah. that was another common tactic too. Oh, did someone do that? Yeah. I don't know who did, but the, it's definitely been done. USA. <laughs> right, and yeah, I, I think it, it kind of should leave a... Um, it's shameful. It is, especially when it's not just... At the very least, you should have to stand up there. And debate your bill. Right. Or debate your position. And Yes, and talk about what yeah. the issue is at hand. Uh, and if you're willing to do that, if you feel that passionate about that, then... There's really not a lot of criticism that no, can be slung at you. But if you're standing out there talking oyster recipes, or in my <laughs> opinion, if you're just saying threaten filibuster, that that right. that to me is just that's it's hijacking. It is. Yeah, it's piracy. It is. Uh, so that is not the only way you can uh, waste time and block things from happening in Congress. Right. Uh, you can. There are all these little tactics that can be used. Uh, for instance. Um, you can introduce a lot of amendments to a bill, um, and instead of just saying, waving the right and saying, you know what, we're introducing this amendment, everyone knows it, we don't have to waste our time reading it, right. they can demand, well, I'm going to introduce 47 amendments to this bill, and we're going to read each one in full. Right. It's just a time-wasting measure. You can also add on to that um, a roll call vote for each amendment. So you have an amendment read, yeah. and then you have a roll call taken for every senator to say whether they vote yay or nay for, for each, each amendment, amendment. Yeah. Which would uh, make it even more timely. Uh, something called quorum calls, uh-huh. apparently, that um, ascertains the number of senators present. I don't know how that's different than a roll call. A roll call is what, what you're voting like. Like, how do you feel about this am- amendment, oh, yay okay. or nay? So quorum, quorum is just like, are like- you present or not? <laughs> <laughs> because you have to have a quorum. I can't remember how many make up a quorum, but basically like there has to be a certain amount of people present for Senate business to be conducted. So a quorum would be to find out if there's enough people present. And if you're just doing it to delay time, they might be in their offices or whatever. They might yeah. be having dinner, and they're still technically present. But right. if you call a quorum call, then that means they have to come in and say present and then go back to dinner. <laughs> uh, there can be something called an, an anonymous hold. Uh, which allows someone to block a bill, a man or woman in the Senate, um, when it requires unanimous consent in order to be voted on. Yeah. But it's anonymous, which mm-hmm. is kind of tricky, because then you don't know who's holding up the the gumming up the works. Right. You know. Then it turns into like a big game of Clue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Harry Reid did it in the conservatory right. with the rope. Um, So filibuster reform, surely something this uh, weird and hanky should be looked at and reformed in order to retain the true spirit of of the filibuster. Yeah. And over the years, there's been a lot of uh, talk about reform, a little bit of action about reform, but not a ton until recently. Uh, In the 50s, there was but one filibuster per session. And in 2007 and 2008... There were 139 threatened filibusters affecting 70% of major legislation. Yeah. In 2007, uh, 2007, 2008. Right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So it, it obviously got out of hand and, uh, people were abusing the power. I can't help but wonder also if the 
the concept that both groups are coming together to rule the country in a combined manner mm-hmm. has become less and less of a concept over the last few decades as well. Oh, yeah. You know, is it, yeah. is it, or am I just like making that assumption? And it's always been that way. There's always been that division. Is that the case or no? It seemed to be like, <clears throat> my opinion is that it used to be checks and balances, and now it's not so much checks and balances as it in is just severe, severe digging in to yeah, your own. It point certainly of view. seems that way. But it maybe it was always like that. I don't know. I didn't grow up in the 50s. Yeah, I don't know either. They probably felt the same way that American people did, you know? Those jerks in Washington, you know. Oh, I'm sure they did, but I wonder if they had as much cause to say that as we do today. Like, is is this the way it's always been, or is it actually worse? I mean, the numbers would suggest that, you know. But is it just that the numbers are showing that people figured out how to use a filibuster better than they knew before? So we're just smarter at being conniving? Or they're more adept at using it. Yeah. Or is government broken that much more to where there was one a year... Each year during the 50s. Yeah. And then there's 139 a year in 2008. Yeah, it seems broken to me. But it, I'm, it I'm definitely pretty, indicates that to me, too. Yeah, I'm fairly cynical about the state of modern politics, though. I am, too. And the thing that gets me the most about this is the idea that the government is broken because the two sides can't agree, even though, really, if you get down to it, there's almost no distinction between Democrats and Republicans. Ideologically here or there a little bit, but sure. it, as it definitely between liberals and conservatives. Yeah, yeah. But between the Democrats and the Republicans, I feel there's almost no difference any longer. Like where the rubber meets the road yeah. and not ideolo- yeah. ideologically speaking. And so the idea that the, the government still can't function, yeah. even when you have virtually one large mega party. Um, is I I don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on there. It's sad. Seems like it would be functioning in a really smooth manner and <laughs> steamrolling over us. You silly boy. Right. <laughs> uh, so we've talked a lot about uh this weird process, um, but we should talk about reform. Yeah. Right after this message break. Hey Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Maybe you've stayed in an Airbnb before and thought to yourself, this actually seems pretty doable. Maybe my place could be an Airbnb. It could be as simple as starting with a spare room or your whole place when you're away. You could be sitting on an Airbnb and not even know it. Maybe there's a big tournament in town and lots of fans will be visiting. You could Airbnb your home or extra room and make some extra money while people are in town. Whether you could use extra money to cover some bills or for something a little more fun, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
post. Okay, so back to it. Mm-hmm. We were talking before we went off on some of our personal opinions about how bad it stinks now. Yeah. Uh, about reforming filibusters, but, uh, problems arise when you try to reform filibustering because that can be filibustered. Yeah. You know? Yep. If you have a, a proposal to reform filibustering, it's still a measure. Yeah. And you, you, you can fried say, oysters. Exactly. <laughs> um, so the, this, this whole, talk of how to reform filibustering. Some proposals came up in 2010. Um, there were three good ones. One was, if you're filibustering, you can't threaten a filibuster any longer. You have to get up there and you have to talk. Yeah, play the part. Uh, that, one, that was shot down. Yeah. Uh, another one was that um, over the length of a filibuster, the um, required number of senators to invoke cloture yeah. just decreases. So a filibuster could only go on for so long before you get to like a simple majority. Yeah. Now that was that was shot down. No. Uh, uh, the third one, you got that one? Yeah, it would have banned filibusters on motions bringing a bill to the floor. That so you couldn't it. filibuster like maybe something to reform filibustering. Right. <laughs> None of those were passed. And the reason why... Like, you would think that one party would be like, well, we don't want filibusters. We're in charge. They, it, you have to remember that eventually you're not going to be in charge and you're going to want a filibuster. Both exactly. parties filibuster. Yeah. The Democrats filibustered Reagan's uh, appointments and nominees in the 80s. Yeah. Um, just like the Republicans are filibustering Obama's right now. Yeah. I will say, though, in fairness, it's record numbers now. Compared to even what Democrats did, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. No, no, but I it's think, much I more highly invoked in recent years, for um, sure. And it's definitely been squarely on the shoulders of the Tea Party too. Yeah, like it's been since the Tea Party started to get some um, some major seats. For instance, I got a number for you. Uh, it used to be fairly rare to filibuster a judicial um, presidential appointment. Yeah. Like, it wasn't used that much for that. It was more for, like, bills and things. Uh-huh. Uh, and there have been only about 180-something times in the history of this country that that's been done. And more than half of those have happened during the past seven years. Wow. So it wasn't used that much in the past, but in the past, it's been happened, I think, more than 92 times uh, in the past seven years. Well, you know what that suggests? That suggests that before, those things were used... Um like a scalpel, and now they're just basically arbitrary. Well, that's exactly what it was. In the the eight years that um, Bush Jr. was in office, there was about a dozen of those nominees that were filibustered, as opposed to ninety two, in uh, since Obama's been in there. Yeah, I so see your point. It's definitely not surgical anymore. No, and again, both parties use it, but it's being misused and has been for a while. Yes, and if you if you listen to the GOP, they're saying that Obama's trying to pack the courts. Yeah. If you listen to the Democrats, they're saying, dudes, nobody does this. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Be cool. Uh, so the reason that all those bills failed, um, or the, the reform failed in 2010 was because they basically did a little handshake deal where they said, um, all right, don't use filibustering so much to prevent these bills from being introduced. All right, I won't do that. And hey, you guys can add a bunch of amendments if you want to. And no one's going to use the nuclear option. Are we all cool with that? Yeah, we're all cool with that. And then the GOP went back and started <laughs> filibustering again. So, and so the Democrats used the nuclear option. Yeah, they did, which was huge. I remember Harry Reid threatened it, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, okay, all right. Um, I can't remember what it was. There was uh, The GOP was blocking something, 
that Harry Reid really wanted to push through. And he said, I'm going to use the nuclear option. And it worked. Have we even said what that is? I don't think we have. No. So the nuclear option is, uh, it's the power of the majority to use parliamentary procedures to change major rules. In this case, specifically, to remove the ability to filibuster. Yeah, just for that session. Just for that, uh, yeah, just for that session. Though. I think so. I saw that in this article, but I didn't see it elsewhere. Well, I, so, so here's the thing. The majority holds the power to say, um, we're, all we need is a simple majority, 51 senators, which we have as Democrats. Yeah. To change a rule, right? And that rule that we're going to change is that you don't need 60 senators to block a, or 61 senators to block a filibuster. Yeah. Or 60 senators, I'm sorry. You only need 51, mm-hmm. which we the Democrats have. Right. Simple majority. Yes. So the, this has been in the power of whoever's been in the majority all, the whole time. But it's such a, polarizing thing it's saying like we're we're taking away your ability to block what we want to push through through filibustering because we're taking away your ability to filibuster we're going to pass this rule with a simple majority saying it just takes a simple majority to invoke cloture and end debate and bring something to the floor it's not saying um it only takes a simple majority to confirm this this nominee yeah yeah because that's already the case. So if you follow it backwards, it takes a simple majority to confirm a nominee. Now it just takes a simple majority to bring that nominee's confirmation to a vote. And they did that by passing a rule with a simple majority saying that we're going to end filibustering. Yeah, and that was uh, just a few weeks ago on November 21st. And it passed uh, 52 to 48 uh, all Republicans and three Democrats hopped to the other side and voted against it. And it was not for all filibustering. It was just filibustering on executive branch nominees and judicial nomi- uh, nominees. But not Supreme Court nominees. Uh, yeah, other than the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, for introducing a bill or whatever. But earlier this year, they reached a compromise on some reform. Mm-hmm. Both sides worked out a bunch of new rules that changed uh, the process somewhat. But I, I guess that wasn't enough in the case of November 21st and Harry Reid because right. he kind of threw down the gauntlet, which no one thought would ever happen. No. It's been an option for many, many years, and no one's ever exercised it. So Harry Reid either said, this is this is ridiculous, this is out of control, or government's broken, yeah. or Harry Reid was drunk with power, depending on who you talk to. Well, it kind of came down to the um, – or this particular sticking point was about nominating uh, – Judges to the United States Court of Appeals for D.C. Mm-hmm. And uh, Republicans said that, you know what, the D.C. Circuit is really underworked. And right. They said that they could save a million dollars a year per yeah. judge. Cut costs, basically. Um, Which is pretty preposterous considering the amount of money that's leaked away uh, every second in Washington. Oh, well, Just yeah. that is the argument. It makes the whole thing smell fishy to me. It's a little bit shallow, yeah. sure. Um, and then Democrats said, no, you know what? You guys didn't have these concerns when Bush was appointing mm. these nominees, and we need to maintain this court because, and the size of it, because it's uh, really complex, like this particular court is. So I heard um, the Democrats tried to block appointments to that same court when Bush was in office. I'm sure they did. Yeah. So like, apparently, both sides just completely flip flop. Yeah. 
That's on this, this same point. <laughs> yeah. And, and took entirely one another's point when the, when the presidency was. Well, it depends on who's in office and who has the majority yeah. on what your beliefs are, it seems like. Yep. Wishy washy is what I call that. USA. So, um, as of November of this year, Obama presented 79 nominees who received cloture votes. Uh, Bush had 38 in the eight years that he was in office. But we should say that most of those cloture votes, um, ended the debate and most of those nominees did clear the filibuster. Right, because you used to have a filibuster that required 60 senators, but a confirmation only required 51. Yeah. So now it's 51 and 51. And in the meantime, regular old Americans are out there, like, having real troubles. <laughs> and senators are on the floor talking. Actually, that was 1935. I can't keep talking about the oyster thing. But right. still, cathetering up in some cases. I'm pretty sure she had a catheter. Really? That's crazy. Uh, and uniquely American, I guess. Uh, so you got anything else? I got nothing else. I hate to sound so jaded about all this stuff, but it's kind of hard not to. I don't, I think you would be, uh, a drooling automaton if you didn't, like, get worked up about this. And just say, like, no, this is how government should work. Yeah, if this didn't make you cynical, you know? It doesn't matter what party you're affiliated with or whether you're conservative or liberal. If you think things are working right now, there's, you need to completely reevaluate your life. Yeah, it's hard. Did you hear Russell Brand go off a few weeks ago? Mm -hmm. In the interview? Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting take, but, um, yeah, like, don't go vote. Yeah, like, it's hard to make an argument that your vote really matters these days in oh, this country. Yeah. No, um, I mean, like, if you're in a red state, a deeply red state, and you're a Democrat, like, yeah. there's really no reason for you to go vote. Yeah, only a handful vice of versa. states, your vote might matter. And yeah. even then... And then those are the states that the the candidates go to, and yeah. that the senators have more power than others. It's, it is a broken system. Hey, Sarah. I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Maybe you've stayed in an Airbnb before and thought to yourself, this actually seems pretty doable. Maybe my place could be an Airbnb. It could be as simple as starting with a spare room or your whole place when you're away. You could be sitting on an Airbnb and not even know it. Maybe there's a big tournament in town and lots of fans will be visiting. You could Airbnb your home or extra room and make some extra money while people are in town. Whether you could use extra money to cover some bills or for something a little more fun, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. But how many politicians in this country are out there truly like pure and chaste in their 
in their motives. I don't think there's a single one that's pure and chaste in their motives, but I think some there are still some good ones out there. No, there are, and I guess I don't know. They believe in their own side. But yeah, then when I you dig the up ones, all the dirt of things that go on behind closed doors, the ones you like, have to look out for are the ones that don't believe in their own side. They're just exploiting one side to get themselves into power. Yeah. Those are the ones that are truly bad. Yeah. At least if you believe in your own side, you have conviction. Sure. Whether I agree with your convictions or not. Yeah, true. At the very least, I respect the fact that you are convinced of your convictions, you know? Yeah. But if you're just like, if you don't have any convictions and you're just out for power, yeah. then to hell with you, pal. Buddy, lady, all of you. Yeah. So, uh, I so guess we're going to move to Costa Rica? Yeah. Do they have government there? Yeah, they have a government there. <laughs> Are there any islands, tropical islands that have no government? There's tons of uninhabited islands. Okay, that's what we need. I think and I'm not saying I believe in anarchy. It'd just be nice to move to an island where there's not a bunch of jerks wasting your time and taking your money. Yeah, I don't know. Anarchy's looking more and more attractive these <laughs> Is days. It? Sure. We should do a podcast on anarchy. We like, really should. You know? Yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about filibustering, you can type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, that means it's time for listener mail. All right, I'm going to call this one, uh, let's see if we can help out uh, some heroin addicts. <laughs> it's not funny. It's funny how I said it, though. Hey there, guys. Uh, thanks for keeping me entertained and sane. Um, I'll explain the sane part. I will let you know what's been up with me and how you guys have helped me in the past few months. Uh, I am a 25-year-old living in Santa Monica, California, and I'm a part of the huge homeless population there. Uh, most nights, my girlfriend and I end up staying in a motel in Venice in L.A., where we are both homeless. Uh, it is my fault we ended up this way. We were both addicted to heroin, and it was because of me. Uh, each day, my girlfriend and I have to go out and come up with $110 in order to afford our heroin in our room. Jeez. That's her daily habit. Uh, each day we have to do this. It is an awful way of life, and we both feel horrible. We've been trying to get detox meds through the county clinics, but the waiting list to see a doctor to get into rehab like that has uh, is a very long list indeed. Unfortunately, there are not a lot of resources out there for drug addicts as far as detox is concerned. Um, yeah, what is this, Switzerland? <laughs> and actually, there are not a lot of people or institutions that are willing to help unless the addicted person has insurance or money to pay for treatment. Uh, we're not bad people. Um, just looking at us, in fact, you would know that we are addicted to heroin. We both have had jobs in the past and homes in the past, and she is even a college graduate and is certified to do special effects makeup. Uh, the reason uh, why I'm writing you guys is because you can imagine this lifestyle is very stressful. It's a lot of pain, shame, and guilt on a daily basis. Uh, and about three or four months ago, I came across your podcast, and it's really helped me get through some of the tough times. I found that listening to you... When I'm in a fight with my girlfriend or stressed or sad really helps me uh, turn around my mood. So thanks for this. And thank Jerry as well. And this is from TJ. And I told TJ that we would put a call out. And I don't know if it will work or not. But if anyone in Southern California Mm -hmm. has a resource for TJ and his girlfriend to kick heroin, then we'd love to hear from you. And we will put you in touch via email. Uh, TJ, if you're listening, I don't know if this is going to work. And this is about as far as we can take it. But um, if someone writes in, we will definitely put them in touch and uh, see if we can get you guys off the junk. Yeah. So thanks for writing in. I'm glad we can help in some small way. Yeah, I'm glad we're doing something to help out, you know? Yeah, we'll see. Um, well, I mean, like, also turning his mood around. Yeah, true. You know? uh, but if you are a resource and can help these guys, uh, email <clears throat> us. Um, 
at our stuff podcast at discovery.com email and just put in the subject line, I can help the heroin addict. <laughs> I think that's a great subject line. Yeah. Uh, and until then, TJ and girlfriend, stay safe. Please. Uh, if you need some help that you think Chuck and I can help you out with, you should get in touch with us. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. That's on Twitter. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can uh, send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. And you can join us at our home on the web at stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why, with your Discover card, you'll have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Discover a career that matters at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Be part of an innovative team delivering world-class health care and benefits to America's veterans. Enjoy robust benefits, work-life balance, and career development opportunities. Join a diverse and inclusive community that values your unique background and skills, a community where nearly one in three of your colleagues are veterans themselves. Apply now at vacareers.va.gov.